what era we've lived in or what culture, there are some things that are common uh, mothering practices to whichever culture you're from. One of them is obviously the, the role of nurturer. And as I was looking through, how did Jesus interact with us? What was his ministry like with us? Uh, and what is a timeless principle that Jesus did, which helps nurture? So regardless of what century we're in, regardless of what country we're from. And I came, came across three different practices. I'm going to be teaching about those today. So the message is going to examine the importance of the practices of presence, not giving presence, but being with someone, love, and prayer in the lives of children. And doing these practices helps us become more Christ-like and helps our children to grow spiritually. Text I've chosen is Romans 16, 13. It's just one verse. Um, so I'm going to read it out for you. Trust me that I'm reading it accurately. Uh, Romans is a long explanation of the gospel. After uh, chapter 12, it then is so, the so what of the gospel. And right at the end, Paul uh, often... Uh, closes his letters with one, in one another greetings to people. This shows that in the midst of the bigness of the gospel, it's about you and I. It's about people with individual names. And he says this, uh, he says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. He says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. So this message is going to be an encouragement and an equipping to mothers and others who nurture children through presence, love, and prayer. I say others. What we see in this text is that you don't have to be a biological mother to nurture someone. Paul was nurtured by Rufus's mother. I doubt he meant she brushed the dandruff off his shoulders or told him to wrap up warm. It's a nurturing practice there. And the children, we can nurture and care for children through presence, love, and prayer. Whether they are in our church walls, whether they are our own children or not, we can do it to children everywhere. We can really help disciple them. The clause I want to bring in today, just one clause, is for those for whom it's a painful time. During the last song, I'll set us up a time of healing prayer. So thank you, Guy, for leading us in prayer. We'll also have a time as well where you can be ministered to by the Holy Spirit towards the end. So I'm going to pray us into this message. We bow your heads as I lead us in prayer. Father God, thank you for the relationship that we have with you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're present with us. Thank you that Jesus is even praying for us now. Lord, help equip those among us who have that desire and gifting to be a nurturer. Lord, may they be equipped and refreshed. And Father, as well in Scripture, as you're talking about Jesus, you say a smoldering wick uh, he will not snuff out, or a bruised reed he will not crush. Be gentle with those in our midst for whom this is a time of pain, Lord. It's a sensitive time. Draw them closer to you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First one I'm going to look at is the practice of presence. It's really simple. It's being near to someone. It's being accessible. It's being close. Uh, we're more Christ-like when we do it because Jesus, against the norms of his time, said, let the children come to me. 
he knew that children had tremendous value. He knew they had tremendous value. He says, let them come to me. It's one of the most important ways to children that we can communicate that they matter and that we love them. It's being near to them. Think about it. Jesus himself, I'm able to relate to him a whole lot more because God isn't some distant disapproving father outside space and time, but he actually came near to us. His ministry on earth was a ministry of presence amongst other things. And so we ourselves need to be present in children's lives. Uh, Being present in a child's life significantly uh, impacts their trajectory in life. Uh, Time I've been a pastor, if I look at background of origin, it can have a significant impact on how that person feels about themselves, how they feel about God, how they feel about the world. The big uh, except is divine intervention totally flips that on its head. So also know that anything is possible with God. Everything is redeemable. But at the same time, just left to our own devices, uh, how we are present in children's lives can really impact their future. I'm just going to show one slide if we have it. Did we have a slide? Or shall I draw something? There we go. Thank you. Uh, this is a slide which is showing the two different types of, and you're going to have to trust me on this if you're listening to, online, uh, two different types of brain, the one on the right and the one on the left. The one on the left suffered significant neglect. Now, seriously, when you suffer neglect, some of that is dietary, nutritional, it impacts growth. But at the same time, the actual physiological structure of the brain is a whole lot less developed in a child that has been suffering from neglect. We have the lights back on now, thank you. It will impact their behavior, impact their personality, it'll impact their functioning. We saw this in the early 90s when uh, the regime of Nicolae Ceausescu came down and lots of orphans were found, 170,000 orphans were in Romanian orphanages at the time. And they represented what can happen if you are not present in a child's life. And even when they were adopted, yes, they did significant uh, growth. It was redeemable, but they still really struggled in adult life because of the neglect they'd suffered as a child. So how can we be present? Really easy, just be present in the same room. Uh, You don't have to be one-on-one interacting, but if you're near, it's the nearness that really makes an impact. Another way we can do this is uh, being together. So that might be daily, having a meal together as a family. It could be if your child is the right age, tucking them in bed at night. And it's being there in the significant times. People look back on their childhood and they think, was, was my mother there? They don't necessarily think every single day. They think when it really mattered, in that time where I'd really messed up, was my mother there? In that time when I was really proud and I'd graduated something, was my mother there? It's being together in the small things and in the significant things. A quick thing on technology here. Technology can be extremely positive in many ways. Uh, It means that we can be accessible to our children when we're not always available. So modern life means that we could be working long hours, we're not always there. But if we're only a cell phone away, our children know that we're present. Uh, We then enter into their world. 
texting. It's usually the only way you can communicate with a teenager. So it's a really good way to text. I have a daughter that uses her phone like a butler would use a bell. And she'll text me, Dad, milk. Dad, can you come and uh, do this? Can you do that? Uh, having technology can make you feel really present and close to your kids. The downside of technology is there's nothing that quite communicates your children are not important than being stuck on your iPhone. I was driving my daughter to school, and I said, Jess, I'm really glad that I wasn't born in an age where there were cell phones. Talk about bullying, but we also talk about parenting. Uh, I said, it'd be really tough if your parent was on the cell phone a lot. She looked at me and she says, yeah, you're telling me. I said, ah. Um, <laughs> so my brave challenge to you would be ask your kids, do you think I am on my iPhone or my device too much? Just see what they say. Uh, so that we need to be present in children's lives by being near and accessible and close in the small times and in the times that matter. And there's lots of ways that we can do this. The beauty of being a Christian, the beauty of being a Christian is that every single day is a fresh start. Every single day is a wonderful reboot where the Spirit can come into our lives. And if there are times if we look back at regret, about uh, us not being present in our children's life, or maybe a mother not being present in our life. God can heal that. For those guys that are in here thinking, how is this message going to apply to me? Please today, or sometime in the week, show gratitude to the mother in your life for the times that she was present. She will likely notice the times that you notice she is present in the smaller things as well. So for mothers and others, practice the pres uh, practice of presence. The next one is love. I'm not going to explain what love is. It's, it's big. It's who God is. The Bible commands it. It says, love God. And the second command is like it says, love others like yourself. That's the second command because when you really love God and you're drawn closer to God, you're freed up to love other people a whole lot better. So we're to love our children because it's the essence of who God is and it's the second greatest commandment. Again, just from a scientific standpoint, it helps healthy development in children. Uh, I'm going to ask just for another slide to be shown. Thank you. Here you see two different images. So although the brain sizes are the same, the one on the right has had a healthy, regular background. The one on the left of the screen has suffered from abuse. And you can see that there is some brain functioning. So those colors are the neural pathways being used. There's significant gaps between the back and the front of the cortex, the area that helps with emotions as well. So when abuse happens, it actually damages and changes the physiological structure of the brain. Lights, please, thank you. Again, divine intervention covers that. But I want to acknowledge that when uh, we've been in an abusive environment, it is gonna impact our behavior and it's gonna impact our social skills and our outlook on life. It helps you understand if you foster a child that they may be acting in a way that their brain will only allow. It's not always easy it's not like they're a troublemaker. Their brain can only work in a certain way. And if you've come from a neglected or abused background and you've worried about some of the ways in which you interact with others, you're worried about how you behaved as a teenager, 
God looks at you and is aware of the limitations of what your brain can do. At the same time, he's also the God that can restore and renew the physiology of your brain. So it's love, there's why God does it, it's really healthy. The how, say it and show it. The show it would look, we're letting our children know that they're valued, wanted and special. Another way that we can show it is doing something that they really value in life and doing it with them. I have a daughter that loves to watch videos of squishies being opened. Uh, <laughs> Watching that with her is a profound way of communicating I love you, over and above uh, saying it. Another really useful way of showing that your children that you love them is to ask for forgiveness when we mess up. So we forgive them when they mess up, but more importantly, we ask for forgiveness ourselves. And the biggest part of love is that sacrificial love. That looks like dying little deaths to ourselves every single day. So if we're looking, we have that nurturing spirit and we are uh, nurturing our own children, maybe biologically, or we're nurturing other children, whether it's in a children's ministry or it's a relative's children or it's a nephew or a niece. It's when we love that child, not to meet our needs, but to help that child grow. So often we live in a culture which says, uh, I won't say living your best life now, I don't want to be rude and say that, I would say children are there to meet your needs. If I'm a parent, I'll be really happy. But children are not there for us to have self-actualization. Children are there for us to nurture them for who God has made them to be, who God wants them to be. Again, beauty of being a Christian, whether we have loved perfectly, uh, most of us probably haven't. Whether we sacrificed perfectly, most of us probably haven't. The beauty of being a Christian is today, again, is a complete, fresh start. The Holy Spirit will come into you, into your children's lives, into the children's lives who you love, and renew them and rewrite their story. And again, if we have mothers in our lives, please take today either ourselves to show gratitude for the sacrifices they've made, or even encouraging our children to see the sacrifices they have made. Now, if you do the practice of presence well, and you do the practice of love well, you've pretty much done the major foundation of parenting. Psychologists have shown that adults, when they look back at their childhood, they ask themselves two questions, or they define happiness in two questions. Was there love in my house? And were my parents there? If those two things are being met, the child will largely look back and think, I had a happy childhood. The challenge is, it's not quite doing everything. So anyone, you can have very fond memory of your mother if presence was practiced and if love was practiced. Where the Christian has the advantage is they can practice prayer. Prayer that God hears, prayer that God honors, and prayer that God answers. So we'll look at that practice now. So we've looked at presence, love, and now prayer. Prayer really simply is conversations with God as he is revealed by Jesus. It looks like talking to him. Sometimes we can do a more formalized prayer. We see an example that Jesus uses in the Bible, which is the Our Father prayer. 
Uh, other times, it can be a conversation as you would have to a friend. It's not disrespectful. It represents an intimacy or closeness in your relationship with God. For a relationship to really flourish, however, there needs to be listening as well. And a key part of prayer is listening. It means quietly going into the presence of God and just asking him to speak to you. He may bring something to mind. Uh, he may give you an insight, but it's that ongoing dialogue and interaction with God. The beauty of prayer for a mother to use when you're speaking to God is you invoke divine help. That parenting is tough. Uh, you're a sinner raising a little sinner, and you're both really good at it. <laughs> but you're invoking divine help to be more Christ-like. You're invoking divine help for spiritual growth. The Holy Spirit will work through you and in the life of your child to help them grow spiritually. The beauty of listening prayer is the Holy Spirit himself. One of his names is Wonderful Counselor. You'll see this in parenting. So lots of things the Holy Spirit does. Convicts of sin, so helps you uh, ask for forgiveness to your child. He helps transform you spiritually so you show the fruits of the Spirit. The other thing he does is he, he kind of invites you to look at things a little differently. So he may give you an insight into trying something that you've never tried before that can totally change everything. And it's not something you would have made up yourself. It's not something you'll find in a book. It's just that tiny bit of insight that that's exactly what your child needs right now. I remember uh, my oldest daughter's a brilliant singer, and as we struggled with her Asperger's, we really struggled to find a punishment that she cared about. <laughs> um, she'd largely say, I don't care. She did, but she'd just say, I don't. And she was trying to think of all these different things. And she was going to be singing in church. I think this was five years ago, part of a choir. And I thought, I'm going to go nuclear. I'm going to go Old Testament. I sometimes invoke the Old Testament covenant. I'm going to go Old Testament. Jessica, if you, if you do not put all this stuff back, I can't even remember what it was, you are not going to be singing at church. And then about two minutes later, the Holy Spirit just destroyed me. And it was helpful. He said, do not punish Jessica by taking away the gift I has given her. So, oh. <laughs> um, so the Holy Spirit can be really helpful because he knows exactly what is needed in that right moment for your child. So it's a beauty of being a Christian parent. You can speak to God, but he can speak to you. When we are parents, it's really hard to pray on a very regular basis in a manner that we'd want other people to see. Uh, uh, if you have young children, they're really squirrely. You're just trying to get them to school on time, or you're trying to buckle them into the car seat. The easiest and best way to do it is a, like a two-degree turn in your routine life. Now, I'm going to be a hypocrite if I say I do this every day. I don't. But when God brings it to mind, I do it as much as I can. Uh, as you're driving your child to school, pray with them in the car. Really simple, short prayer, but they know you're praying for them every day. Tuck them in at night if they're uh, young enough and they let you, and pray for them. Do the Lord's Prayer. We can do our own prayer. Another thing that's really nice is we can give them a blessing. So just as we prayed a blessing over the children, we can pray a, a blessing over a child in our life. Whether it's a family occasion and we have a quiet time with a nephew or a niece, just pray a blessing over them. 
that lets them know that there is a God who loves them and who wants to bless them. Uh, We can do a short one. We can do a long blessing. Uh, I use oil at times. It's not just because I'm a pastor and I have access to oil in a little vial. (laughs) But this is what you can do. Amazon, small aromatherapy oil jars and olive oil. Uh, Put them in. If you want to stick some frankincense in, you can. But the oil represents Holy Spirit. And so when you're praying for your child, there's something beautifully peaceful about doing the sign of the cross on their head. It's not superstitious. You're just representing the Holy Spirit in their life and just giving them a blessing. That will probably go a whole lot further in terms of your child recognizing that you're praying for them uh, than really hitting it out with God with a list of checklists. Uh, When do we stop praying for our children? Just when we meet God face to face. That's typically when. Uh, A lady that prayed for me, so I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but my dad prayed for me in his own way every night. Uh, My mum loved me in a different way than praying for me. I found out, having come to faith, there's a a lady in our village, I think she's, I grew up in probably 90-something now, Betty Mustel. And when I came to faith, she showed me her prayer book, and she'd been praying for me every single day. From the age of seven, when I, my parents dropped me off at a Sunday school because they wanted some time to themselves, just praying every day, and that had a tremendous impact. When I came to faith, I remember thinking, like, where did this come from? And then you look back and see all the people that were praying or practicing presence or love. It starts to make a whole lot of sense. Again, prayer, whether we've done it perfectly or not, as a Christian, it's that beautiful fresh start again today. Spirit empowered. And if you had someone that you knew was praying for you, please thank them today. Not quietly in your head in a prayer, but go up to them and say, thank you. I know that you prayed for me, and I just want you to know how much it has meant to me. Now, the challenge of parenting, uh, challenge of being a mother, is you are nurturing a child to the best of your ability. And we're limited as humans as to what we can do. Uh, We're all Christians or need Christ because we're not perfect ourselves. Uh, Being a mother can be a a significant source of despair in our lives. It can be painful. Uh, God actually allows it to be painful, so it shapes us. If he didn't allow it to be painful, it wouldn't be shaping us. The painful thing is you have living feedback every single day. Uh, the thing that you said that you thought no one had heard will come back to you in a smaller voice. Remember, <laughs> forgive me, Shelley. I remember when Jessica was three, I said something. She goes, ha, oh, men, and walked off. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what she copies from me. Um, it, can, it can give you regular condemnation as a mother. You look at parenting books, and Christians are great at saying... I know you love God, now read all of these things and read them all and implement them all. And these are the 97 ways you can be a good parent. And woe betide you if you miss one. So it can be extremely condemning. And it seems like everyone else is a perfect mother. As being in many pastoral counseling situations yet, I have not met the perfect mother or the perfect family. But people can normally be uh, looking their best on a Sunday. I'll leave it at that. Do you think you had a hard time? Think what it was like for Mary. Now, people often say she's blessed, and she was tremendously blessed. 
uh, I sin in thought, words, and deed. Can you imagine what it was like with Jesus just understanding your thoughts? <laughs> that you, we sometimes nurse thoughts that aren't wholesome. We sometimes say things quickly that aren't wholesome. Just imagine yourself in a situation where Jesus, you've, you've gone and visited Jerusalem. Two days later, you're walking back in the crowd and Jesus is not there. And then you go all the way back, panicking, all of these thoughts rushing through your head, and you see him. And this young boy says to you, well, of course I was here. I was with my family. I'm pretty sure the thought went through Mary's head like, oh, you little, who do you think you are? <laughs> Jesus, understanding her thoughts, said, mother, do you want me to answer that? Who do I think I am? You're not going to be pleased with this. Uh, so it can be, it's a regular source of condemnation. As I was preparing this message from Romans, whenever we're teaching from the Bible, it's good to teach from within the same books. We're not kind of cherry-picking stuff, uh, just to match what we're trying to say. And it says in Romans 8, and it's talking about how the gospel frees us from law and helps us live a life in the Spirit. In Romans 8, 1 to 2, it says these words, and I want mothers to hear them. Therefore, there is no condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Excuse me. If you are listening online, there's someone else just burped. Uh, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Get out. Thank you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from death. Genuinely, if we are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And being a mother can really convict us of our sinfulness. It can really convict us of our need for Christ. But we are not condemned because we fall short. We really do not need to be perfect. Think about it. If we are a perfect mother, one, we wouldn't need Jesus, and two, we'd never be able to point our kids to Jesus. We're just saying, hey, look at me. And the horrible thing would be that the kids, when that, if it gets the gift of being a, a mother, if it's a daughter, they then have the most unrealistic example to follow. And they would be living their life full of condemnation, thinking, I am a terrible mother. We really don't need to be perfect. If we we're perfect, it would get in the way of our relationship, the child's relationship with Christ or their desire for a savior. The other reason why we don't need to be perfect is because Christ was perfect. He perfectly practiced presence. This is a God who is the uncreated creator outside space and time. But he came to live among us. He was born as a helpless baby. He was vulnerable. And he did it because he loves us. He did it because he loves us as children. He loves us as adults. He was the perfect example of love. When you think of what love is, it's really helping someone. It's helping them grow spiritually. It's not always pleasing them, but it's helping them. It's nurturing them. It's raising them. And we think of sacrifice. Christ perfectly fulfilled the ultimate sacrifice on behalf of our children. And then we think of prayer. Not only did Christ pray when he was on earth, if you read scripture, you know that even now Christ is praying. Christ is praying for each one of us. He's praying for us if we're a mother. He's praying for us if we're someone else who looks after kids. He's even praying for our kids 
right now. So we don't need to be perfect because Christ was perfect. But it also means, think through if you're a mother or you care for a child, you have that role of mothering, the very best day you had in that role. Maybe you're helping with a, a VBS or maybe you're helping in children's ministry and you thought that just really went well had a really meaningful conversation with a, a child in your neighborhood, or you had a great day of parenting where devotions went well and you all sat around the table and there were no tears. Uh, on your very best day, when God looks at you, he sees Christ's perfection. And that is as far away as the stars are from the top of a mountain in terms of what we can do. And then think of your very worst day. That day you do not want anyone to know your thoughts, words, or deeds. That day you're hoping your kids do not remember your thoughts, words, or deeds. That day you're hoping your kids do not tell their teacher your thoughts, <laughs> words, or deeds. And when God sees you on that day, he sees Christ's perfection, which is as high as the stars are away from the bottom of the mountain, and our best and our worst are millions of miles away from who as mothers or as adults look after children are. He sees that perfection. And when we're a Christian, not only can we do the ministry of prayer, but we know that our value is based on who Christ is, what he has already done, and how God sees us, not how we see ourselves in the mirror. Uh, without our worst behavior, which God at times allows and he always forgives. We would never really need to know that God loves us in spite of who we are. We'd be trapped in this cycle of, I'm going to perform. I'm going to do all the things that he wants me to do well, and now you can love me, God. I can present myself to you. Even at our worst, we are beloved by God. And so as we look back on the timeline of our lives, whether it was our childhood and how we acted because of that, whether it's how we have uh, mothered others or our own children. God, allow some of those tough times to happen so that we can rest in the fact that we're beloved by him, not because of what we do as a parent, but because of who he is. I did kind of a short message because I thought I'd surprise you. Um, we did a, a speaking before and after section after church last week, and I think it went on for over an hour. So I just wanted to demonstrate that I can be short. Uh, what I'd love to happen now is the band, if you're all here, if you'd love to come on up to the stage, and even if you don't love to, just please do it anyway. Uh, come on up to the stage. We're going to have a time of healing prayer. So as you're moved by the Spirit in this last song, please come forward. We'll have a prayer team who will pray for you. If you see, uh, let's say you have women and men uh, prayer people. If a guy comes up and there are no men available, can someone else, maybe on the transition team or has served in a capacity in this church, come and pray for them as well? I'm actually going to close us with prayer then over to the heights. Let's bow our heads as I pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for our mothers. Thank you for those that have practiced presence and love in our lives. Thank you for those that have prayed for us. Lord, thank you for the mothers in here now. I pray that they would not be condemned, but would know that you have perfectly fulfilled presence, love, and prayer. And it really is that simple. It's not a matter of salvation. Our mothering is not a matter of salvation. But who you are is. But Jesus, I particularly lift up to you now those for whom this is a tender time 
those for whom have experienced a, a loss, whether it's a loss of a mother, whether it's a loss of a child, or even, Lord, whether it's a loss of a childhood. Lord, as those images were shown on the screen, if there was someone thinking, I think I, think I might be the, the less developed one, Lord, whether it's through neglect or abuse, be with them. Wrap your loving arms around them. Draw them near to you. Speak words of love to them. Speak words of healing to them. And we do this knowing that you are a good God. And we're beloved by you.